This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Nicole Yang, and today we are joined by Tom Westerholm, as always, <laughs> and Chris Grenham of Forbes, Geno Time's resident draft expert. Uh, so today we are actually going to talk about the 2021 draft, which is a ways away. I assume it's going to be, actually, it probably won't be in June because of the schedule now. So who knows? We don't know when it's going to be yet. And we don't know what picks the Celtics have. The Celtics will only have their picks, a first rounder and a second rounder, unless they make some sort of trade. So it's a bit early, but there are a lot of exciting guys in this class. So I've heard. So Tom and Chris are going to introduce some of the notable players in the class and then also identify, again, it's like really early, but a few players that might be in the Celtics range. Yeah. So I think one thing I wanted to point out before we get going about this class is that so the Celtics have that giant trade exception and that's going to loom over everything. And I think it's really going to loom over the draft this year because so the Celtics obviously have like a ton of people. They have a ton of, you know, they drafted two players this last year. They're obviously still have high hopes for Grant and Romeo. And they still have, you know, Carson and all those guys too, Tremont Waters. I, I kind of have a feeling, well, we'll see. And this is not like sourced or anything, but I kind of have a feeling that the Celtics might not actually keep their pick this year for two reasons. One, they have a lot of guys and a lot, a lot of young guys. And two, the 2021 draft, like those picks are being hoarded right now. Everybody wants to have a 2021 pick. So the Celtics have this trade exception where they can go get somebody valuable and they have this pick where they don't necessarily have a lot of room for a young guy and it's got a ton of value because everybody wants a 2021. So we'll see if the Celtics end up making a pick in this draft. I will be just livid if they trade this pick after I had to write about that 2020 class a hundred times that garbage <laughs> class, but 2021 is really good and it's going to be a fun class to talk about uh, whatever the Celtics end up doing. I think that's that's an important note to make because it doesn't, at least from my perspective, like I know people want them to use the trade exception right now or they're maybe the trade. They're not going to. It doesn't, yeah. it it just makes no sense to do so right now. Like they have no reason to do so. And Age has been clear that he wants to see how this team unfolds. And like the market right now is so different from what the market would even look like at the trade deadline. So there's no benefit of them using that right now. But I 100% agree with you that the most beneficial outcome is that they can keep it until draft night or around the draft and utilize that 2021 pick because I mean, it's so like 
no one cared about 2020 picks. Everyone cares about 2021 picks, especially first rounders. So yeah. I think it makes a whole lot of sense to try pair that pick with the exception and make a deal that is going to impact your team right away. I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. The other thing to note about this class is that it's going to be a bizarre year. I mean, yeah. like how many of these guys' programs are shut down right now? It's like bizarre. Gonzaga's shut down. Oklahoma State's still going. Uh, UConn the, just shut down. The G League Ignite team hasn't even started yet. This is a bizarre. This is going to be a bizarre year. So like a lot of these guys might not even be playing right now as we talk about them. But real quick on that G League Ignite team, do you think this whole issue with the uncertainty around the G League and that sort of thing, do you think that could hurt their stock? Say if they end up doing more like intra-squad scrimmages than anything else, you're not really going to get a whole lot of stats from those. You're not going to get a whole lot of film from those. Do you think that hurts guys like Jalen Green's stats or uh, I'm sorry, stock? going into the draft or not really because you already have a relatively good idea of who they are. I kind of think it might help them because I think the G league will probably have better plans than the NCAA has had. So like, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if these guys actually get more games. I, like the NCAA is just it, like the, whatever they're doing right now is not really working because they're it's not just, really doing anything. They're just kind of letting yeah, right. like <laughs> yeah. every, every day I see our, you know, pal Jeff Goodman tweet out like, well, this program is shut down. It's crazy. It's it's really insane. But yeah, no, I mean, I think we could probably start to get into some of our favorite players here. So does this uh, mean we can start screaming about Suggs yet? Can we start right, that right so, now? So let's let's do it this way. I'll I'll I've got like a top fifteen ish in front of me here. Yeah, maybe we'll go like the top five, and then we'll just yeah, kind of five by five. <laughs> Nicole can hop in however she sees fit here. So I mean, my Spoiler, number one... don't expect me to say much. <laughs> Uh, I mean, my number one is the same as everybody else's. I have Cade Cunningham at number one. I expected a guy who has fallen quite a bit for me to actually challenge him, Um, but he was separate from the pack at number one. I think his play so far has separated himself even more. I have Jalen Suggs at number two, and I think Mm -hmm. that Jalen Suggs has obviously made up a lot of ground. Like, that guy is really good. But Cunningham's just able – like, he can just do everything. I've loved what I've seen from his shot so far. I know there was like, you know, not concerned, but people were like, well, you know, he didn't shoot that well in high school. I think he's going to be a good shooter. I I think he's going to be able to kind of do everything. I I think there's like, I think there's real Luca comparisons that can be made, you know, without sounding ridiculous. He's my number one by quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, Cunningham, I feel like for the most part, everyone has him on his own tier. He's so, so good. And it's so nice to have a prospect like this after going through last year's class, because I felt like we were deprived of like a sure thing i think it was chad ford who said that he heard from an nba exec he described cunningham as someone with Lamelo ball ceiling and uh tyrese halliburton's floor which i thought was kind of an interesting like 2020 comparison but i mean he's just he has he's so versatile he's such a good playmaker he's such a good passer three level scorer i mean there's really nothing to dislike about cunningham's game i also have Jalen Suggs at two. I liked him going into this year quite a bit. I did not expect him to make this much of a jump right away. I mean, the Kansas game that Gonzaga had earlier this season was extremely eye-opening. Like that is a, Kansas is a legitimate team and he controlled, Jalen Suggs controlled the entire game, like seemingly with ease. It's unbelievable. And he, it's not just that he's a crafty playmaker and he sees the floor really well and he plays hard. Like he is He's got a lot of dog in him. Like he's a hyper competitive dude who's going to be a winning player no matter where he goes. And I think there's something extremely valuable to that, especially in a class where you've got guys like Jalen Green with really, really high ceilings and he's going to be a good player too. But there's something to be said about a guy like Suggs who I feel like has a really, really high floor and he's just going to bring a solid mentality 
and a solid competitive. I don't know. He's just so competitive. And I uh, like him coming back from what we thought was a really serious Achilles injury. Yeah. He's battling back on the floor. Like that was really nice to see too. I'm, I love everything about Jalen Suggs game. So yeah, he's, he's number two for me as well. Hey, did you say your number three guy yet? My number three guy is still Jalen green. Just to, just to follow up on Suggs too. Like I don't think enough is made about his athleticism. Yeah. That- yeah. He's literally kind of got everything. Uh, you know, obviously there's ways he can improve here and there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, and like, you know, stuff that I'm sure an NBA coach would want to, uh, you know, work on. But I mean, I have Cade above him, but like if Cade wasn't in this class, Jalen Suggs is like a number one prospect. I would have yeah. no problem in any other class, like taking him number one. He seems so developed with his touch and body control for a kid his age. Like, I, I don't know, the way he moves. He's like a senior. I, he I does. He does. In my notes, I have it written down. Like, how is this guy a freshman? Like, 100%. Uh, it's it's very absurd. polished and, and it's funny too with, with like a guy who like you know was not entirely focused on basketball like every single broadcast you hear a hundred times he was a high school QB he was a high school QB it, and it's interesting how much of his how much of his basketball game seems somewhat natural even though you know it wasn't necessarily his 100% focus from age three like a lot of these guys but yeah no so I have Jalen I have Jalen Green three I I, I want to see I had I was I've always been really high on him I mean there's just truly otherworldly athleticism yeah I think his biggest thing is just polish, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen him shoot. We've seen him handle. We've seen him pass. We've even seen him defend some. He can do all of it. I just want to see how, how it looks with a little bit of polish, a little bit of coaching um, in the G League. And, you know, I don't have, I'm kind of uncomfortable dropping a guy that I had at number two very far when he hasn't played a game yet. He's a really good player and a really good prospect. And mm-hmm. we just haven't seen him play. Everybody's excited about a lot of these guys. And I get that, but don't forget about the freak athlete who can kind of do a little bit of everything who we're going to see in like, you know, a few weeks or whatever. It's totally easy to forget about that too, because you're watching Jalen Suggs like rip it up for Gonzaga, which is already a really, really good offensive team. And you throw him in the mix and he's suddenly their best player. Like it's easy to forget about guys like Kaminga and Jalen Green and stuff. Cause you're just, you're not watching him. Knicks. I yeah. like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that, that G league Ignite team has a couple potential lottery picks, probably three potential lottery picks on there. So it's, totally easy. So it's important to note that they're still there and they're still very, very good. I agree with everything you said about Jalen Green. I mean, for his size and athleticism, he's very raw, as you said, but like, so it's a pretty nice handle. He's got a pretty good jumper. Like, yeah, he can be a little, he's not the most efficient guy, but he's, I don't know. I mean, that happens with a lot of prospects. So I, I like his, his ceiling because he's just so God darn athletic. He's got a good frame. There's a lot of promise with Jalen Green for sure. I, the only thing I, I think about, I like him at three, but I will say another like riser for me that I, I haven't written out a full board yet, but I think Mobley has a chance to kind of move up because I've, I, I wasn't very high on him coming into this season because I didn't really like his senior year. I didn't really like what we saw from him last year, but he's been way better defensively than I thought. He has been really good way better than i expected yep. yeah yeah and so the fact that yeah he still is like very very skinny he needs a lot of work on that frame but what he's been able to show in the first couple games for usc has exceeded my expectations especially from a defensive level i think he'll rise up my board if he continues to play like he has for sure so on that note i'll, I'll do my four or five number four i have jalen johnson and number five i have mobley um and mobley for the record i think i had him at like somewhere between like eight and ten on my yeah. board initially um he's rising and he's you know if you're if you're looking at those little like espn markers he's got the little green triangle <laughs> like pointing up like he's he's been great 
like all the things that I was worried about, like you, I mean, I was, I was worried about his versatility because I just yeah. thought that his hips were too high. I know that a lot of those guys who are, who are built like that have trouble like getting into a stance and defending, um, you know, guards and wings. And he just hasn't had that problem in yeah. college. I thought that when he got to the college level and guys were a little stronger and a little more athletic, it was going to be a real problem. He's averaging like four stocks. So steals and blocks per game. He's been great. Uh, I mean, he's so long. He's um, mobility. You know, obviously the high hips thing is, is, is whatever, but like mobility has never been a question mark for him. Like he's always no. been very fluid. I just thought he was kind of weak and kind of like almost kind of a wuss. And he's well, yeah, and he, and he just good. didn't, and he just didn't have that great of a senior year. Like yeah, that, it wasn't that's what a lot of it comes down to. Yeah. It kind of hurt. He didn't make a great impression going into USC, but I'm hundred percent on the same page. He's been really, really impressive early on for USC. I think we should talk about Jalen Johnson too, because he's been really yeah. interesting. I, I love so much about his game. I think his shot is going to translate. I, I know there were some questions about that coming into the season. Um, obviously, he can really pass. People are worried about his defense. My big concern with him is that I just don't think he can create any separation yeah. like against anybody. He's such an on-ball threat that, to me, that's that's problematic. I really wish we could combine Jalen Johnson and, and a guy that we'll get to, B.J. Boston. Because if you could give like Jalen Johnson, B.J. Boston's like uh, handle and ability mm -hmm. to like separate and create space and 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 all that stuff, like. I mean, and footwork, I mean, BJ Boston's footwork is genuinely really impressive. Yeah. And like, you know, Johnson's is good, but I just, I don't know. I, I have Jalen Johnson up really high after, after his first couple of games. I haven't bumped him down at all, but I, I am starting to get concerned by the fact that he can't separate himself at the college level. I don't know that that bodes particularly well uh, in the NBA. I think that's definitely going to be a, a problem. But again, like there is still a lot to like with his game, smart player, and he's got a good feel for the game. He's an awesome passer for yeah. a guy his size, like really, really good. And that tags along with his vision and, and feel for the game. But yeah, that separation is an issue. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how his expected loan college season goes because I got really excited about him early on. And now I'm like trying to bring myself level again. Yeah. It's easy to just jump on these kids in their first five games and make assumptions right off the bat. So it's, so I have to level my impressions here going forward. But for the most part, my takeaways with him is he's a really good passer and he's a really smart player and there are concerns there, but hopefully he can kind of improve on some of those as the year goes on. Cause he got a good team. He'll be plenty exposed. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody's going to have an opinion on Jalen Johnson. By the yes. Year. All right. So I'll go, I'll go six, seven, eight here. Cause I think these guys are all kind of tied together. I have Kaminga at six. I don't okay. know where to put him yet. Cause we haven't seen yeah. him. I like him. Good player, fun player in high school. Um, seven and eight, I have Zaire Williams and Brandon Boston. I am concerned, genuinely concerned about Brandon Boston. And it's he not too. so much that he's missing threes. Like, that'll happen sometimes. It's more that, like, I just haven't seen anything overall from his jumper that makes me feel good. Like, yeah. and, and I, that was one of the reasons I expected him to push Cade was because I thought he was going to be sort of this, like, shot-creating wing who could hit from three and who could like create threes for himself. Like not necessarily that much like Tatum overall, but in that way where Tatum can like run a pick and roll and create a shot for himself. I thought there was some potential of that from Boston, especially, you know, with like the footwork and, you know, and, and some of the finishing, I mean, if he was stronger, I think he'd be a much better finisher because he's really got good touch around the rim, but I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about him from what we've seen in the early going. No, me too. And it's disappointing. Cause I remember sitting at hoop hall with you and we're watching him like, this kid is awesome. Like I fell in love with him right there, but you're right. I'm curious as to how like Kentucky is having problems right now. Some legitimate problems as a team. So I'm wondering 
how much of that contributes to his issues right now. Maybe he's trying to force it a little bit because they're, I don't know, like they're, they don't really have a lot of great guard play, which is rare for a Kentucky lineup. Maybe he's just having trouble like finding his fit, but you're right. Like that shot is a problem and he hasn't, he just hasn't really shown much, honestly. My hope, again, is that Kentucky will figure it out, and alongside of that, B.J. Boston will. But that shot needs to needs to start falling, or he's going to fall down my board pretty quickly. So, so far this season, he is 3-for-18 from three-point range, which, you know, is brutal. That said, I think he started 0-for-11, if I have that right. Okay. Uh, I'm actually looking up the game log here. Yeah, so, so he was 3-for-7 against Georgia Tech. Like you said, Kentucky has looked really bad this year, and I think that that's certainly some of it. I, I think that I don't know that the pairing of him and Terrence Clark looks very good. So it looks really bad. <laughs> it looks, it looks uh, really I, bad. I, kinda, I like both those players. Like I think yeah. they're both intriguing guys. If I was an NBA team with two first-round picks in this year's class, I don't know that I would take both Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston because I don't know that that's working. But yeah. And then I have Zaire uh, at eight. I think he's going to be a good shooter. I, I haven't really seen anything that suggests to me that he is more than, you know, a guy who's going to be able to kind of like space, like, especially like from, he doesn't have a handle. So, I mean, I think he'll be able to space the floor. I think he'll be able to, you know, attack closeouts. I mean, you know, maybe you're looking at somebody who kind of looks like Jalen Brown offensively, you know, yeah. like, for me, I, I think his ceiling is somebody like Jalen Brown. Whereas Jalen Brown's ceiling is still much higher. So. Yeah, that's actually kind of an interesting comparison that I hadn't thought of. He does have some Jalen similarities to Jalen at Cal because yeah. like, he's not that quick off the dribble. He has trouble getting into the paint off the dribble. And some of it is like he just he kind of gets bullied once he gets inside and he can't yeah. really he can't really get to the rim all that well. That leads to him settling. And his shot isn't terrible. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely a problem that you'd like to see him improve. So Maybe he tightens up that handle and that helps his creation off the bounce a little bit. But uh, again, I like his upside. I mean, he's a smart player, pretty good passer too. But yeah, I, I like the Jalen Brown comparison at, at the wing. college level. I mean, yeah, like that kind of big wing, like the NBA team's going to probably. I was going to, I was going to say that kind of, yeah, that prototype is a popular one to say the yeah. least. So he'll be just fine. Yeah. No question. All right. So kind of moving on here. I have Scotty Barnes at number nine. I'm a Scotty Barnes guy. I, I haven't like loved, loved what I've seen so far, yeah. um, but I do kind of like that archetype of like a super versatile defender who can handle a little bit, you know, grab a rebound and go kind of a playmaker a little bit, you know, when, when, he, when he's that tall, I, I, I hoped to see him look a little bit more comfortable as a playmaker in the, mm. at the college level. Cause obviously the shot just, like, do you think the shot's hopeless? I think yes, I, I I think it's hopeless. I don't think there's too much there. There's some like poor man's Ben Simmons there, obviously, where he's yeah. got the size, he's got the the athleticism, the versatile defense, the playmaking. But the thing about Simmons is that everybody, like, I don't think enough people talk about how outlier his playmaking and handle are. And I don't think, like, Scotty Barnes is good. I don't think he's an outlier passer and ball handler. I think he's a good one, especially for his size. But the thing that makes Ben Simmons a star, a number one pick is the fact that it's once in a generation to have a guy who can, who can do it the way he does it. It's yeah. it's like, not that Ben Simmons is as good as LeBron and Magic Johnson, but like, those are the guys that you talk about with that kind of handle and passing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to watch Barnes more on offense. Obviously his shot is not, is not great. And there's not much growth there. I, I just don't really see it, but defensively it doesn't get much better than him. I mean, he's, he's, I think he has like a seven-one wingspan or something, seven-two wingspan. Yeah. He's smart, and again, if you get a guy who's six-nine with a seven-two wingspan, he's pretty big, like smart-ish player. That's not a bad pick. That's not a bad pick at all. He'd be a very high draft pick in last year's class. But 
the shot is going to limit what he ultimately becomes if that's if there's no future there. Yeah. I have Keon Johnson, number 10. Uh, I don't have like strong thoughts on him. So one thing before we get into like the next five, I was curious what you think. All right. So uh, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, all go number one in the 2020 class. Yeah. Like no question asked. I think yeah. Evan Mobley does too. Yes. I, and, and, and it's interesting because I have Mobley below Jalen Johnson, but I think Evan Mobley is more of a lock to go mm-hmm. number one in this year's class than Jalen Johnson was. Yeah. Um, Jalen Johnson, Kaminga, Zaire Williams, Brandon Boston. Uh, where do you got, where do you think those guys go in the 2020 class? I think Kaminga is definitely a top three pick. Yeah. Are we judging Boston off of him having an hour, super average year at Kentucky or how do we play that? I think one? that's just a let, Yeah. Let's talk about what we know about these guys right now. Okay. I think Boston still is a top five pick in the draft, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jalen Johnson goes number one because he's a wing. Um, yeah. Again, it comes back to that prototype. I get yeah. like, he, he probably would. He makes a lot more sense at one than, <laughs> than Anthony Edwards does. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Teams were able to talk themselves into James Wiseman, but I don't know that anybody like really needed a center like him. Everybody needs a two-way wing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. I'm on board. Jalen Johnson would have been one. I kind of quietly think that everybody below Scotty Barnes would have gone number one. Yeah. Because all those top guys, you're betting on those ceilings and they have, all these guys have higher ceilings than that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So if that's their rationale, then yeah, 100%. I would love, love, love to have Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham over LaMelo Ball. Like it's not even close. Any of those top three guys just would have been number one with a bullet. For Give sure. me Imani Bates last year. Give me him number one. I'll take him easily. Any of them. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. All right. So and then I'll just run through these five kind of a little bit more quickly. Actually, I have six here. I have 16 here. I have uh, James Bonite from UConn at number 11. I like him. He's awesome. A lot. He's really yeah. good. Dacian Nix, I have at 12. I'm, I'm, I'm higher on him than a lot of people are, but mm. I, I just think he's a big point guard who can really just pass the hell out of the ball, and I like that. Um, I have uh, – I still don't 100% know. Usman Garuba, again, super versatile defender. Uh, like, love his length. I love his, his potential there. Um, I have Terrence Clark at 14. I know some people have dropped him a little bit, even after, you know, that good debut – I've loved how he looks like creating separation. I think that his handle is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Jumper needs some work, but he's shown little bits of flashes here and there. I have Josh Christopher at 15. Again, yeah. a guy that I think a lot of people are a little bit lower on than I am, but I love his offense. I just He, he can create and he can do a lot of stuff. Watching him and Bagley has been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah Bagley's good. And then I have Moses Moody at 16. Again, 3 and D guy, but like a really good three and D guy, I think at the NBA level. So curious, like what you think about those, those six guys and and who else you might have in that range. So what's your take on, on Knicks? Cause he's a guy that I'm pretty up in the air about right now. Like I'm not crazy about his finishing. I'm not crazy about the mechanics of his jumper at all, especially at the pro level. I don't know. Where, where do you stand with him? So with Knicks, I have him higher for two reasons. Number one, I, I have him there because I had him there. And yeah. again, kind of the Jalen Green thing where it's like, I'm not super comfortable moving a bunch of guys above a guy who I haven't even like seen play yet at the G League, you know, with the G League Ignite. So he does get some benefit from that. I think his vision is really, really good. I think yeah. he's like, like a really good, smart passer. I think there's teams that could really use a guy who is focused on, you know, freeing everybody up and just kind of doing that point guard role. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he fell, you know, maybe even into like the twenties, like yeah. I could see it hundred percent in this year's class. There's a lot of really good players, but, uh, I like his skill set. I, I like his size and until I see him, 
I don't want to like get super down on him. I, mean, I have some concerns about the finishing. I certainly have concerns about the jumper, but the the passing, the vision, I think he's a dec- I think he's a perfectly acceptable athlete, and and the size is all very encouraging to me. The passing is awesome. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely with yeah. you there. Um, Book Knight is another one that you had in there that I'm a huge huge fan of. I know I was a pretty big fan of him at the end of last year, but he seems to have really really made a, a pretty impressive leap. Like I know a couple of people who, who are on the UConn staff, they say some of the things he does in practice are just, it's just like stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like he's so much more athletic than everyone else on the court that it just allows him to do basically whatever he wants. Now, a lot of guys like Chris Dunn, he was so athletic that he could do whatever he wants on the floor. That didn't translate all that well. Book Knight is like much more polished, even as just a sophomore. Yeah. At least in, in my opinion. So sometimes I get nervous about a college guy who's just so athletic because it doesn't always pan out, but he's like an all around player. He's a really good decision maker and he plays his ass off. And I don't know. I just think he's going to be a kind of a steal because he doesn't have the flash that a lot of these other guys have a lot of these freshmen or G league guys. So I think that's a great pick to have up high. And I think he's, if I had to put him anywhere right now, he'd probably be like, 12 or 11 um, up on mine. And and I don't know if that's just too much of a jump because I'm a little more familiar with his game than other guys. Maybe it is early on in the process, but I like his game a lot. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, look, like you, you mentioned Chris Dunn. The thing about Chris Dunn is that he was 34 years old when he entered the draft. So. <laughs> hey, 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 no Providence slander here. It's okay. It's all right. He was experienced. Very experienced. Very experienced. Uh, experienced. Most of his life by the time he was drafted. Um, yes, unfortunately. So James Booknight is is not like he's not like young for his class or anything like that. Like he's right. not Kira Lewis, where he literally couldn't enter the draft as a freshman. But he's he's not not quite as old as Dunn. Now you know he's six five. Like that's yeah, not like he's got decent size. Honestly, I'm curious like what you have thought of Terrence Clark. He's definitely a polarizing prospect. And I also know that like, I'm probably more inclined to think highly of him because like I've covered him a lot. Um, You know, like he's from Boston. I've been really impressed with like his ability to get to the rim, his ability to like force his way to the free throw line. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. I've been definitely impressed as well. I mean, he's a really good scorer. We we know that he's really talented. He's a really good scorer. He's athletic and he has great size. He's six, seven, I think, but I was rubbed the wrong way a little bit by the way he finished up at Brewster last year, just his inconsistency. And a lot of that was effort-based. And so I was kind of worried about that coming in because he just didn't really play hard when he finished up at Brewster. Like he, and that was a legitimate concern. It's easy for an 18 year old kid. Once he gets his commitment to Kentucky to be like, yeah, I'm just going to chill. And so that could have very well have been part of it, but I've been definitely impressed. Good score. He's been, he's looked stronger. Than I expected, like he can bully his way into the paint a little bit off the dribble. His, I guess it could be a basketball IQ type thing, but like his attention to detail almost on the court, like his off ball positioning isn't great. Like little things like that need to be worked on, but that's just nitpicking at this point. He's a good scorer and he's impressed me with his ability to use his size off the dribble. I didn't think he'd be this good this early. I did think it was funny that both he and Brandon Boston fixed their three-point shots against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Neither of them had made a three before the Georgia Tech game. And then against Georgia Tech, they went, I believe, a combined six for 11. Georgia Tech fixing everyone's uh, jumper. Shout out if to he him. can be that, if he can be that lead guard down the road, like become a better playmaker, I mean, with his size, that would be pretty great. And I think that would make, make a lot of sense at the pro level. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, 
we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we will uh, talk about guys who might be in the Celtics range if they end up keeping this pick. 2020 has already shaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. And that's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. And as always, the Geno Time Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so the problem with doing like this kind of pod this early in the process is there are any number of guys who could be in the Celtics range, and there's any number of ranges that the Celtics could be in. Right. I think the Celtics are going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be like the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So I would expect them to be in like the three, four range again. So I would imagine that they'd probably be picking around like 24, 25. So just going by ESPN's like 2021 draft board, they have Moses Moody at 24. Obviously, I mentioned him. I had him at number 16. They have Charles Bassey at 25, uh, Western Kentucky Center, who just like every time I watch him, I'm like, he's huge. How is yeah, he, he is. He is massive. He's massive. <laughs> um, they have Earl Timberlake at 26, Greg Brown uh, at 27, Caleb Love at 28, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 29, Cameron Thomas of LSU at number 30. So of those guys um, who, who are kind of in that range, I mean, or, or as you're looking through it here, who are some who are some players who, who you really like, who you think might be kind of gettable for the Celtics? You want to play this like their roster construction is basically as is. They haven't made any major trade deadline moves or anything like that. Yeah, so it's, exactly. It's not like they're trying to fill a major need. I mean, I think it would be worthwhile to think, I know I'm, I'm creating a, uh, I have a type here, but I'm a big fan of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I think if the Celtics say they're picking at like 26 or something like that, like he's a guy that would make a lot of sense. He's a really smart Villanova player with a pretty high floor. Sounds pretty familiar, but like the Villanova so, bias is so real here. It is so real, but it's like, it should be. And I, 
as a Providence grad, I hate Villanova, but I love what they do and how they create pro players. So like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has a real Celtics-y feel to him. Without question. And like, he was a pretty highly regarded guy early on. So, you know, the Celtics were well aware of him from the jump. And he's just like a, he's a very smart player at this point. He's not, I'm trying to think of a way he's relatively versatile where like he can help you in a a variety of ways. He's not just like a one-dimensional guy. Um, So I think that makes a lot of sense. What would you say about them going after someone like, I'm trying to look, I think I'm looking at a different ESPN list than you, but um, there's guys like Earl Timberlake down there. There's guys like DJ Stewart. So you, it depends on really what you're looking for, but Earl Timberlake has some great upside. Like I watched him a lot in high school and I, I like him a lot. He plays hard. He does really right. hard. And he played hard in high school. And like, you don't always see yeah. that in high school. Like a lot of those high school guys are so good that like they don't have to. And Earl Timberlake was good. And he just like, yeah, he's, he is a grinder. Um, I haven't actually seen that much Miami this year. So I, I don't like actually have a great sense for how he's been so far, but I know, I mean, in high school, I was always impressed by his grit, by his motor, just like how hard he played defense and yeah. you know, it's six foot six. Like, yeah, he's, he's got that kind of like, we'll see what the Celtics do throughout the year. But like, as of right now, the, the wing depth is a real question mark. And I think there's going to be kind of some, some intriguing guys in this range, like ESPN, the one that I'm looking at has Terrence Clark, you know, in the twenties, uh, another oh. guy that I had in the teens. So interesting. I don't know what you want to call Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's kind of positionless. Like, yeah, he's kind of positionless. Yeah. Kind of a powerful, I guess. But like, yeah, he's, you know, a bunch of other stuff he can do too. So, without question. Um, so Timberlake would make some sense to me, like just as like a, you know, gritty, plays real hard kind of wing. While we're here, I know the Celtics need wings, but what about our guy, Scotty Lewis? Where are you on him at the moment? What about Brian Antoine? We got to talk about our, our guys. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm higher on Scotty Lewis now than I was before. I love him. Yeah. He's so athletic. He's so long. Like every time I see him, I'm like, did his arms get longer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we watched him make Jaden McDaniels look like a JV basketball player at the hoop hall. Defensively, he is just a monster. Yes, his like I, I don't like you know I don't love some of his offense, but like last year he shot thirty six percent from three and eighty one percent from the free throw line. This year he's up around eighty percent again, seventy eight point nine right now. Um, you know, with one bad game from the line under his belt, like I, I don't think that his shot is hopeless. I would absolutely take a shot on him, especially if he ends up in the second round. Like I, I see like no downside to drafting like a defensive minded wing who's who's shown some touch and and yeah. some ability from three, like. I mean, I, I think he's a little bit slept on. I, I've actually always kind of thought he was a little bit slept on. Yeah. I mean, he ranked 15th in high school. And right. I mean, Jaden McDaniels, who he completely shut down, was like in the like six or seven. So, yeah, I, I'm i still high on Scotty Lewis. I'm I, I'm losing a little steam on the Brian Antoine bandwagon. <laughs> it's easy to do that. <laughs> I, want it, I, I want it to happen so bad. I wish he had gone anywhere but Villanova. Um, it's just does, it's not going well. It's oh. just not going well. And I know there's some injuries involved with that stuff, but it's just – not just injuries. It's it's not good. It's really not good. He's not fitting into that system like they like they had hoped. Uh, Scotty Lewis, I think, will be. I think ultimately he'll end up being a really nice steal in the second round. I think that's what it's going to come down to because I think the Celtics, if they're smart and they end up keeping the pick, it makes sense for them to go grab a wing, right? Yeah. So like a, a guy like Moses Moody does make a lot of sense. I, I think I think Moody's a 
I think he'd be a really good pick for them. I mean, I some so of it depends on what Neesmith does this year, yeah. right? Like, I mean, if Neesmith is is ready to go right away, like, I mean, that, that really helps you on the wing. It, it kind of depends, like, how Romeo is. Like, if Romeo pans out, you don't even necessarily need the, the creator as much. Like, yeah, if those two guys have a decent season, all of a sudden, I, like, almost don't see any need for the Celtics to make a draft pick. Like, yeah. I, I know that sounds extreme, and I think that – but I think if those two well, guys – where do you where do you put them? Right. Like, what are you yeah. drafting? I don't, I don't understand you you go take Corey Kispert to throw him in the G League like I don't understand I don't understand right. what you do so I mean I, I mean even like you know like somebody like Charles Bassey like yeah. okay but like what are, are you giving up on Rob which like maybe you are because maybe I mean if Rob doesn't have a good season he's extension eligible so I don't know maybe yeah. at that point you're like okay let's uh have a <laughs> here but yeah but yeah I mean like Celtics have a lot of a lot of intriguing young players and uh Depending on how they uh, on how they do, I think that'll play a huge role in how they yeah. draft. But all your points are all your points are really well taken. I think this could definitely be a draft. Say they try to attach it to the trade exception, they don't. They can't get anything done. I could easily see them just trading this for future assets. Just load up on a pick in a couple year, a couple picks in a couple years, and that sort of thing. Just again, because there's no there's no real use for that at the moment. That said, I would have some issue with them doing that because this year's draft is where somebody's going to slip. There's just so much talent. It's super top heavy and then it stays deep. I I think that like, if you're looking at future value, like, okay, yeah, you could trade this year's pick and probably get like a couple future firsts, but like, which, which would you rather have the 24th pick in this year's draft or like number 17 in next year's? Cause I would rather have 24 in this one personally. Me too. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. And it's hard because then in my mind you're like all right you don't need someone who's gonna take up a roster spot essentially at this point you don't need that but there's gonna be plenty of people so then my mind goes to well you could trade say they have 25 i don't know you could trade 25 back for for two second rounders and then you could load up but like well then you're then you're just getting additional guys you don't really need that and yeah you could load up your system you could have them be your two new two-way guys because remember like both of the two-way slots are going to be open next year because Tremont and Taco are both on their second years here. So they could try to utilize those as well. I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could go. For sure. One guy that has like has fallen in a lot of mock drafts, which is funny because he's played precisely one game, is uh, Jaden Springer. I had Jaden Springer really high on my, on my first board. I loved him in high school. I think he's just like a super big, tough point guard. You know, if he, if he can become a three-point shooter, I think that like there's just a lot to like there. So, I mean, depending on what the Celtics – you know, how Pritchard works out and, and how, uh, you know, some of those point guard prospects work out. If they're still kind of looking for that backup point guard who can become a starter down the road, like Springer might be an intriguing guy if he ever gets to play again. Cause <laughs> I mean, I, I know I wasn't the only person who was high on him. Um, even though I'm seeing him on, on some mocks down in like the thirties on ESPN right now. If, if he can become like a, improve his decision-making a little bit, become a little, like just fine tune some of those things his efficiency, He's a really good player and he's super, super talented and he's pretty versatile. Like he can play, he can play on and off. So again, if he can fine tune a couple of those things and just polish his game a little bit, I I like that a lot. And if they do stick with their pick, who knows if they will, I think that would make a lot of sense. Jaden Springer is two for three this season, uh, (laughs) shooting 0% inside the arc, but a hundred percent from three, he is two for three from three. So I like that efficiency. I was talking about the inefficiencies. I, I like that. That's good. You know? Uh, <laughs> huge sample size. Pretty um, good defender too. Like he yeah, can. Oh, exactly. He's, he's yeah, big. yeah. I, I so. think he'll be able to defend ones and twos. I think so too. Yeah, I have confidence in both backcourt spots. Yeah, for sure. Who are who are some of the guys who who you see in sort of like 
we'll go like between 25 to, to 40 on, yeah. on, you know, your basic board. Who are a couple guys who, you, you know, who we met, who maybe we haven't mentioned who you think could be kind of steals. So I mentioned Robinson Earl. I think he will be a steal just because I think he's going to be someone who can come in and contribute right away. I actually do think that Corey Kispert could be a steal. Like I actually like his game a lot and it's easy to like anyone's game in that Gonzaga offense. Yeah, and I bet. think sometimes that can almost be a little bit misleading because they have such a great system and Mark few sets it up so well for the guys he has. Like he, he adapts around his personnel. If he like, he's a great, great shooter. And I think his mechanics are awesome. And I think he could be a steal and someone that even within his own system gets a little bit overlooked. So like he could be a nice one. I like Aaron Henry. I haven't seen too much of him this year. Marcus Garrett's old. I'm just going through some names here. Marcus Garrett's fine college player. I don't see him being a great pro level player. I'd like to see some more from Wendell Moore, but if he can figure some things out, he'd be another good guy. I mean, again, like you said, there's a lot of good, I mean, Matthew Hurts, a guy I completely forgot about. He's again, overlooked within that system. I kind of like the way he plays. I don't know much about his game translating to the pro level, but like, I don't know. There's a lot of names in here that, that are intriguing for sure. The the most disappointing when you're looking in that late range to me is that Luca Garza doesn't really have a pro game like yeah. all that much. And I love watching him play like move. in the college game. Like he is, he's the perfect college basketball player. He's unbelievable, but he just doesn't, I just don't really see the translation at the pro level. All right. So the last guy I want to talk about, let's just briefly, because I watched Illinois last night uh, beat Duke and I just love watching Kofi Coburn play. I don't, think he's an NBA player. Uh, he might be a defensive lineman. <laughs> he's so big, man. Yeah. You and I saw him at Hoopall, and that was comical because, one, we were floor level, and two, we were watching him against high school kids. And even though Oak Hill plays what is basically like a college schedule when you look at the prospects they play against, like yeah, Kofi was still just otherworldly huge. And he remains that big and that strong, even at the collegiate level. Like, there's no way he's an NBA player, right? I don't think so. Not in today's NBA. Maybe, Maybe, like... 20 years ago, maybe, but like, yeah. what's he like 290, something like that? Like he, so and he's so, so big. And I wish he was, cause I do think he plays hard. And like, I, I yeah. do love watching him play, but I don't think he's an NBA player. He entered early last year and withdrew right after his freshman year. I think so. If Azubuki can get drafted in the first round, why that can't is, he- you know what? That is so, so true. That's, that's a very valid point. Like, like, why can't Kofi? I can't believe Azubuki, that still blows my mind that he was a first Detroit round. Detroit is going to draft Kofi Coburn. You're exactly, yes. Yes, they 100% will because they need more centers. All right, well, somebody draft Kofi Coburn so that Grenham and I can keep watching Kofi Coburn in our lives. Yes. And uh, Nicole, welcome back. What'd you think, Nicole? How was, how was laundry? Oh, it was great. My laundry is very close to where we are podcasting, so I didn't miss anything. Don't worry. <laughs> everything. Oh, good, good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Tom and Chris speak about the draft. (laughs) If you have any questions for them, please feel free to DM them. And yeah, if you, if people are interested in draft coverage, definitely make that clear because I think once the season starts, we'll probably stick to more just like Celtics analysis and things like that. But if you want more regular draft coverage, please feel free to speak up. And yeah, we plan to preview the preseason games this weekend and we will talk to you guys soon. 
I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.